um, are either of you Friends fans? Remember the show Friends we used to be on? Oh, yeah. And I'm, th I'm thinking of Jerry uh, packing up and he comes up from the basement. Could he be wearing any more clothes? That he <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you're going to do it. I, I don't know. But, you know, it's it's uh, it's time. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm going to go do it. And uh, and I'm not going to start until really after Christmas. So That's smart. We'll or see. Jerry, I've got a plan. Probably yeah. not the best plan to say on a live call, but take like the first like couple of boxes of things that like you really cherish, like that are really important to you, and then just burn the house down. Because then you'll get the insurance check, and then you'll get all the money for the items inside the house, and then you can buy new items. And then you don't have to move it anyway. So you so save money on the movers, you'd save mental health money, and you'd probably get an extra couple of bucks for your troubles. So wait, I, excellent, but we are being recorded. I think. Wait, did we just go from maybe sneaking some stuff out of the house that we don't want anymore to insurance fraud? Is that, <laughs> is that we just and arson? Um, don't that forget arson, great. Chris. Um, I'm in starting over. I was never here. I was never here. Well, are, are we ready to talk about AI and recruiting? Yes. Sure. All right, here we go. Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Okay, if you've just joined us, welcome to the Three Different Stages of a Beard podcast. Uh, we're excited to have you here. Uh, I am Chris Hoyt, your host for the Recruiting Community Podcast, uh, president of CXR, and I am excited. We do these every week, uh, sometimes a little bit more. Uh, if you've never dialed in uh, to listen, and we do, uh, we do actually stream these live on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, uh, and of course, cxr.org slash podcast. But if you've never joined us, this is where we bring in folks uh, from within the recruiting industry. They may be practitioners or leaders or uh, folks that are doing something in the space, maybe in the services side, uh, to talk about what's top of mind for them, what's keeping them up. We try to keep these to about uh, 20 minute conversations. So they're pretty snackable, easy to get through. Uh, the beauty is if you've joined us live on some of those platforms uh, and there's a little chat window, you can jump right in. So we do our best uh, to show you off if you do that. But if you've got questions for our guests, uh, we ask you to just drop those in there or even comments on the stream. Uh, you can do that too. We'll do a little fancy overlay uh, on the screen and we can share that. And we'll read those out loud for those who may be listening on a treadmill or a Stairmaster or a Peloton or whatever. Uh, and as a reminder, we don't do ads on the show. Uh, it is a labor of love. Uh, doesn't make us any money. We're just doing it because it's kind of fun. Uh, but we like to promote the work that we think makes a difference in the space. Um, people that are just doing cool stuff shine on a light on it. And I'll remind you, uh, I've been doing this the last couple of shows because it's a, it's a weird time right now uh, in the industry. And of course, end of year, tough time to lose your job. Uh, so if you do know of somebody in the recruiting space uh, who's been hit with layoffs, downsizing, uh, displaced, uh, we're going to we're gonna ask you to point them over to cxr.works slash jobs. Now, we update that list daily. Uh, that's from over 100 companies uh, that are that are recruiting for recruiting related roles. It is just recruiting jobs uh, that should be in that list. And I think as of this morning, there were nearly 200 jobs uh, listed there. We have a little hiccup today uh, on the maps. You can ignore the map at the top. I think that shows 10 in the world, but we've got quite a few more there. So you can flip down there. There's a new search that's been added as well and notifications. So if you don't see something today, put in a keyword, save a search. 
uh, and you're able to set that up so you get notifications. So with that, I want to go ahead and jump right in today because we've got kind of an interesting topic. Uh, you're going to hear the word money ball. And if you're in recruiting, you haven't heard it for a while. It's kind of been uh, on the down low and, and out of the space. But I'm going to bring in Mark Gray. And for those who don't know, Mark is the head of hiring at Invisible Technologies. Mark, let's bring you on in out of the green room. How are you? Good, Chris. How are you? Good. Welcome back to the podcast. We did a top secret podcast uh, a month or so ago that for some reason didn't stream. Uh, so this is technically your second time being on the show. So we're glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, I memorized the script from last time. So I'm going to say it. Like, we just need to time it exactly so we can do a layover. Same thing. Yeah. Same, same graphics, overlay. We'll bring in the production team. Yeah. It's easy. Easy. Perfect. Uh, and welcome, Jerry. We're glad to have you on the show today. Pleasure being here. All right, Jerry's going to have a lot of questions. And we are, if you if you know what phase of the beard everybody's in, you can go ahead and drop that in the chat too. We're happy to hear that. So, so Mark, before we jump in, for those who don't know uh, who you are and I guess uh, Invisible Technologies as well, because uh, you guys kind of, no pun intended, you kind of fly under the radar for a lot of work that you do. Uh, why don't you give us sort of an escalator pitch of, of who is Mark uh, and why should we be paying attention to Mark today? Yeah, so I've been in the hiring space for 14 years, um, mainly in the tech startup and scale-up space. Uh, for the last uh, six months, I've been with uh, Invisible Technologies. So Invisible is essentially the business within your business. Uh, we kind of, as you stated, operate under the radar. Um, we're ops as a service or scale as a service. We essentially automate processes in any business, any industry, any vertical, whether they're super simple or very large and complex. Um, and we essentially take all the repetitive work from your team um, and kind of manage that ourselves so that the people you have in your business can focus on being creative and adding kind of high up the work. Um, and yeah, that leads to a very interesting business with a very different ethos. And what about yourself, Mark? Like a, what, a little bit of background on you. Like you've been, how long have you been at Invisible and, and where were you prior to that? Yeah, so uh, for the last 13 years, uh, I've been in, you know, anything from a four-person startup, scaling that up to, to 250, uh, to some of the kind of larger tech companies like Zendesk, uh, going through their European and APAC expansion. Um, so uh, I've been all the way at the, uh, you know, bootstrap startup uh, to the kind of luxurious, um tech offices where everything's free and you've got like 15 types of ham in the fridge i don't know why that <laughs> always sticks out in my head um that, that's when you know you're in a very fancy tech company you've got a ham variety not just beverage variety um and then yeah for invisible for the last six months and hiring at invisible is very different uh because mm -hmm. we have uh three types of people or groups that we hire for so we have partners who are kind of equity holders usually in senior leadership roles we have specialists who are you know usually in a very narrow focus uh, a, a very narrow category of work and then finally which is what's the bulk of the organization is what we call agents so agents are individuals all around the world uh, so we're fully remote, no offices company. Mm -hmm. uh, we have agents in 74 countries at the moment uh, who log in every day into our platform and help our clients automate their work. Um, so yeah, it's fast paced. It's, um, it, it's huge volumes at times in terms of hiring uh, and doing anything from hiring kind of general operators to AI trainers. You know, there's a real broad mix of the type of profiles we're looking for. 
Um, and to your point with Moneyball is how can we utilize data, statistics, um, some IO psychology, um, uh, some uh, social sciences to kind of model out what does a really good person in function X look like versus someone who might be better in a different function or in function yeah. Y? And how can we kind of create those baselines using kind of pure data um, so that not only does Invisible know that they're getting someone that's going to really succeed, but arguably even more powerfully, you can tell the candidate that, hey, look, based off these, you know, 42 variables that we've pulled, we can actually say to a high degree of certainty that you're going to be really successful in this. Uh, or, you know, hey, actually, you should consider this because we think you're going to be really good at this. Um, and yeah, and I guess that's <laughs> that's kind of the, the, the broad strokes uh, of what I do. Yeah, so it's funny because we, you know, we sort of joke about that Moneyball term, and I think when when data really hit the scene for recruiting, right, and Moneyball came out, everybody had a presentation called Moneyball recruiting. Uh, all of us want to be the Jonah Hill or the Brad Pitt of that of, of that story, and forgive I forget the author right now to escape. Bill, Billy, does anybody remember? Billy? Oh, um, yeah, oh, yeah, the security guard who wrote the book. Yeah, have it have it in here. Somewhere. Well, Billy Bean was Brad Pitt's character, but yeah. Yep. So I'll have to pull the book up too for the author. I'm a little embarrassed, but but anyway, all of us wanted to sort of be in that, and I think a lot of recruiting organizations felt like they were really, really taking that Moneyball approach. But you, I've walked through some of the stuff that you've been doing and working on, and I think now we're years later, and we've got all of this, you know, all of this uh, muscle behind AI that allows us to really create some insights and make some real decisions together. Can you, without giving away the formula, right, the secret formula to everything that's going on invisible, but can you share a little bit around why it's different now as opposed to maybe five years ago when we, we all hoped we were doing Moneyball recruiting? Like what, what's different? I think now the, the kind of proliferation of technology in general uh, and how quick and cheap it is, uh, I know, cheap might not be the right term, but more affordable maybe is a better term. Um, getting access to these platforms and then pulling the data off it. So, you know, within minutes, we can pull a huge amount of information uh, on a candidate from whether, depending on the product you use, whether it's a video record-based product, whether it's a text-based product. Um, but also, I think we're just getting much better at understanding what performance actually looks like in certain functions. Um, that's not to say that there's some roles where it's still incredibly difficult, you know, software engineering, what's a good software engineer? How do you quantify that? It's very, very difficult. And then, you know, the other end of the spectrum, you could argue sales roles, much easier because the output is very clear and tangible. Um, and then there's roles that replicate that, especially in Invisible where the, how we classify output measure output is very clear in some of the both agent partner and specialist roles. Mm -hmm. So, once you have the baseline, uh, then it becomes an easier fix long-term, especially if you're hiring at scale or at volume. Um, because the more you hire, the more data you have, the better your model is, uh, the more accurate it is. Uh, and, you know, it's that kind of uh, much more of a kind of easier cyclical effect of going like, okay, I think this might be wrong. We'll actually know the new batch of people we just hired just says actually it is correct. And, you know, you can keep monitoring this over a period of time. So, so for that to work, though, your baseline needs some validity, not not just um, and I'm not the expert here. Right. But but not just here's what I think a good 
you know, sales account manager or, you know, whatever role it is, X role would do. I've, I've got to have some information that's proven, at least within my own organization, right? Like, how, how does Invisible go about that? Or how, how long does it take to sort of put, put a valid baseline together like that? Yeah, there's a few. I think one thing you have to factor in is like um, the prices law, which is the square root of the total amount of participants account for 50% of the output, um, which is also why, you know, the impact an individual has as a company scales actually increases. So, uh, which is kind of, you wouldn't think it, but, you know, if you think of the amount of home runs um, hit uh, by baseball players, uh, like I don't know how many baseball players there are on a, a roster or how many teams, you'll see that it's yeah. actually, you know, it, 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 it applies in everything, the amount of records sold by artists, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, so if you apply that to an organizational level and then like a department level, so we can go, okay, there's 100 agents in this team, 10 of them are accounting for most of the output. And then when we look into the data, like actually, yeah, we can see it might not be a perfect 10. It might be like, you know, the 8.97 or an 8.45 or something close to that. And then we can go, okay, here are the eight that we want to um, kind of replicate. But for this to be a fair assessment, we'll do the test on all 100. From that, we can then break it down. Okay, here are the top 10%, top 25. Here's the midpoint. Here's the bottom 25. And then we can start looking for patterns and analyze that against it and the validity of our statement. So we can go, okay, big five trades. Is there an impact on openness or conscientiousness uh, on certain performance groups? Yes, there is. Okay, well, that's an important factor. Is there a factor in task variety, which is like 10 different varieties, of, uh, which is 10 things that measure how individuals approach tasks? You know, do they prefer the same task over and over again? Do they perform uh, a variety of tasks? Are they autonomous? You know, all of these things we can start to measure. Um, then once we have that, we have like a very straightforward baseline of like, 18 variables mm -hmm. uh, and then you can add others like okay is english a requirement well we can do english tests is you know in our you know hiring because we're hiring all over they have good wi-fi that's a requirement that's a, a variable that we have to consider um and then you can kind of plug this in and then you can start building out kind of tabulated scores um which removes the kind of gut feeling aspect of hiring mm -hmm. completely but it also means that we can hire at scale uh, with a very small team, you know, they're on the agent hiring team, there's, you know, me running it uh, whilst we look for a director of agent hiring, um, you know, shout out if you're interested. Um, <laughs> and, and there's uh, We'll throw that back up there. Anybody wants to reach out to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and there's two recruiters. Um, and, and to give you context of how well this is working uh, with two full-time recruiters uh, based on the other side of the world. So our team's, uh, we hired 361 agents last month with two wow. recruiters. Um, and the reason we can do that is A, the data doesn't lie. B, the model keeps improving. C, we have built a lot of automations in Greenhouse so that there, it kind of removes all aspects of the move candidate to next stage. It's like, well, if candidate hits X score, they automatically get moved to next stage, next assessment sent or it's sent to the coordinator to schedule time with the hiring manager. Um, so we've kind of really overly optimized the hiring funnel so that, you know, 400 candidates come in and we know, okay, well, of that 400, maybe 80 will make it to this stage and that stage and that stage. And we're getting better and better at predicting that. 
I have to tell you, based on a conversation Jerry and I had uh, recently, I, I suspect we know about roughly 130 heads of talent that would say that's not over-optimized. That's just about right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, I mean, I love it. And, and the fact of the matter is, you know, we've been doing these kinds of things for over 100 years. The problem is the access to the kind of data is what's mm -hmm. really changed. So it seems to me, Mark, that one of the things that's really advent is advantageous for the kind of business that you're in is your ability to tap into the data that can come in literally in real time and be able to use that data to move things forward, as opposed to the ways people would have collected it uh, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. For sure. And your ability and the amount of people required to collect that data. Yeah. You know, if, if you, you think about statistical modeling 10 years ago, you know, you'd need so, so let me let me let me ask one key question, though, from my perspective. So once once you have acted on the basis of what is the equivalent of concurrent validation, do you do you then track or follow the success and measure the the relative success of those? folks that you've now hired so that you demonstrate, if you will, that what you're doing is predictive. hundred um, percent. So anyone, uh, anyone that we've collected information on through the hiring process, um, even if they leave, we hold on to them because we want to start understanding what that pattern looks like. You know, is there a certain predisposition for people to leave this role or function um, as a result of some of the data we've captured? Yeah. Or, you know, is there something we've missed? Are they leaving because they're frustrated because they can't do well in the job? Well, then that's something for us to kind of look for uh, kind of uh, in the margins uh, to understand why is this happening? So it is this yeah. constant, you know, the more we hire, the more information we have, the better we get at actually being able to place people in the right agent function or the specialist function for that matter. Um, so yeah, 100%. Like, otherwise, you know, it's just, uh, you know, okay, this sounds about right. Off we go. Let's just keep the same model for a year. We have to be yeah. constantly upgrading I, and changing it. I would hypothesize that very often what we've done is overbalanced the decision process from the employer point of view on will, can they do the job, which is really a lot of the variables that you're talking about collecting. Mm -hmm. And one of the issues that I think uh, is the choke point is the other side of that decision is the decision of the candidate often lacks information that might have influenced their choice to accept the offer, if you will, um, knowing yeah. perhaps that the person they're reporting to is an asshole as opposed to a wonderful developer. Um, yeah. you know, if, if the information is left off, it may impact uh, not the fact of whether they can do the job, but will they do the job long term? And and fundamentally, if you're capturing some of those kinds of elements long term, you're improving not just the 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 ability to to identify that people can do the job, but you're you're increasing your ability to actually provide better information to the candidate to make a better choice. Yeah, no, that's a great point, and. Um... It's called, oh God, I'm going to butcher this, but text model for personality trait based performance, you know, something very boring and academic. And it actually like hits upon exactly what you're bringing up is 
So you have the, you know, at the top, the individual's personality. Uh, and then on the left here, you have, you know, the uh, function of the work, the team, um, and the kind of, you could argue it's like psychological safety. How much control does this person have over their job? You know, um, how much of the decisions can they make? Um, mental well-being. There's a lot of ways you can interpret that. And then that impacts their job performance, which then links to their intrinsic and extrinsic reward center. And then it just constantly loops. So yeah, you're 100% right. And that's something we're trying to understand now as well is kind of team dynamics. Are certain people with certain traits more qualified to work with managers with certain traits than others? Uh, the problem is it's extremely complicated. Um, and I don't think we have the process in power, to be frank. You know, well, it becomes complicated as you increase from, uh, you know, not just the decision of the hiring manager, but now the decision of the candidate. Mm -hmm. And now the decision of how does this all fit together in terms of team dynamics? Because nobody does a job by themselves anymore. At no. least very few do. Most of us are doing it in collaboration with the team. So understanding that team dynamics may be that that other band of of success in terms of predictive validation yeah um, one thing we are looking to do is uh, with certain projects they're, they're much larger than others and there's obviously much more teams that we can look into so what we're trying to understand is are if we look at let's say 100 individuals and let's say there's 10 teams of 10 there's not exactly it's, it's a, bit more varied, but we can then go, okay, within those 10 teams, there's high performers, there's midpoint performers, and there's low performers. But are there any clusters whereby the median and low range is significantly higher than the other teams? And then you can go, okay, is that a result of the management team? Or is that a result of team dynamics? Or is that a result of, well, the 10 people in this team are actually much more better fitted for the role? So this is another bit of like, um, diving that we're going to start to do early next year. Um, there's a few things we have to have in place before we can really accurately dive into this, but it's probably the next chapter of what we're looking to do, which is really interesting because it's like, well, okay, we believe that it's because we're really good at hiring and we bring these people in, they're doing an amazing job, but is there, you know, the team dynamic factors, which is, okay, the manager's exceptional or the way the team is clustered uh, works really well for a specific reason. And then, you know, diving in and trying to understand what that reason is. So there's like so much we want to look into and try and understand because I think just going, hey, yeah, we're amazing at our jobs. You know, that's why we've hired such great teams. Um, as much as a, a, an ego pad it is, I, I know it's just not the reality. There's so many more forces at play. So, so we're like having a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, it occurs to me that you are you are you are creating you, while you're getting rid of historic recruiting challenges uh, with this sort of new way of recruiting, you're creating uh, new recruiting challenges for yourself. And I would imagine that one of those, uh, the biggest, might be the data collection, because you mentioned earlier forty plus points, right? Points of interest or points of data on a candidate. I would assume that's it's easier to gather internally, but then my mind, my wheel starts spinning like. How are you collecting all of that information? Certainly internal. Are there automated touch points throughout my my career at Invisible? Uh, is every project wrapped up with a with a survey or a report out? I mean, that's that's a lot of information to be pulling. And then you're talking about team dynamics. That's a whole nother set of data collection. Yeah. Um, so some of it happens on the application stage. So as I mentioned, you know, like sure. uh, you know, where are they based? Um, Wi-Fi speed. Um, three or four more, I just 
emptied my brain right now. Um, and then at the application phase, there's the, uh, in some roles anyway, there's like a written part, a written assessment, uh, which gives us some indicators, but also there's a video AI uh, interview component. And then obviously there's the performance data, which, you know, happens every two weeks. Um, and then, you know, obviously within that, there's additional sets of data. So it does keep getting bigger and bigger. And now we're looking into the main thing is like, how can we gather this without it becoming a burden on the candidate's experience? Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, what's the greatest thing you can tell a, uh, you know, someone in recruiting say, well, the greatest interviewers are the ones that conduct an interview and the candidate walks away going, well, that was a great conversation. Um, and it's kind of the same thing with gathering data. It's like, how can you take it without being like, hey, you need to spend 30 minutes on filling out this form for, you know, endless amounts of questions. You know, we don't want to do that. And there's a lot of give and take. So like, we'll take some data from them and then we'll like jump on a call and go, well, this is why Invisible is great. This is why it's interesting. You know, what are you looking for? Great. Okay, well, the next step's this. We take a bit more and then, you know, it's that constant seesaw. Is, so is there data that's collected? Sorry, Jay, I got one more. Uh, yeah. Is there data that's collected with regards uh, to to the DEI front? Uh, so, looking for from an inclusion and, and an equity standpoint uh, within the organization, is that is that also uh, get get pulled into that that calculation? Yeah. So we 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 pull all that um, outside. Of, we actually pull that outside of the hiring process. That happens after someone kind of comes on board uh, through our HRIS. Mm -hmm. um, they, we don't. We were at one point looking at the impact of uh, uh, country uh, culture and attitude towards employment. But like that was just a rabbit hole we didn't want to touch because it was like way too complicated. Uh, I was going to say, I can see you getting lost in that pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah, I was just like, yeah, I'm not touching this. Um, but yeah, I think it's you know, at the moment, oh, I said, like we have 74 different countries from agents. And then I think the organization as a whole is in like 77 countries at the moment. So like it's... Uh, Pretty much, uh, we're, we're trying to get everyone in the world. If you know any good uh, recruiters in Antarctica, that's one we need to check off soon. So, uh, but yeah. That's pretty cool. Uh, the, one, the one question that I had left to ask at the moment is, is you're not obviously hiring every single person who goes through the process. You've, you've improved, obviously, from an efficiency point of view so that your funnel is, is better organized from a shape point of view. But those folks who do not go forward, what is your practice or policy in relation to how you help them better understand what you've learned about them that suggests that we should not go forward? Yeah. So at the moment, depending on the role and the function, we're actually able to give a very clear reason why. We'll be like, look, um, you know, one of the processes we're running now, which is actually quite a, a big project is we can do a very clear assessment around natural language processing. Um, and from that uh, and their explanation as to why they approached the task the way they did, we have a pretty good, like a pretty high success rate of understanding the people that will succeed or fail. And we're very open about that feedback. We're like, look, uh, unfortunately you didn't succeed. And what historically we've seen from individuals that come on board that don't do too well in this assessment is they struggle for a few months and, and we, you know, obviously we're putting it in a very nice way, but essentially, you know, we don't want to bring you in for three months for you to just leave and 
yeah. paranoid and be upset. What we want to do in the long term, I don't know if we have three minutes, I'll rattle through it. Um, we want to create a, uh, a non-stop nurture campaign. So the more data we get, the more we start to understand roles and, and functions and outputs from the data perspective. Well, if a candidate comes in and they're not a fit for anything we have now, we can actually already tag them and go, hey, you're not good for this, but these five projects, we think you'd be brilliant for. We don't know or have a timeline as to when more slots are going to open up, but when they do, we're definitely going to contact you. We create a tag for that candidate, and the second we open a new role for any of those five projects, everyone tagged on that gets auto-sent an email going, hey, we actually have 10 openings on the team, or we have openings. Let's set up a time to talk. Um, so once again, we're just trying to constantly, re I don't want to say recycle candidates, but I think a lot of companies waste opportunities when people kind of show up and they're like, you know, oh, not a fit now, reject, or you know, put them in a nurture campaign and we'll send like one email a month about the company. No one ever gets converted. Um, so we, we want to constantly be evolving uh, on how we kind of bring people in and kind of keep them in the loop for however long it needs to be. Cool. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Oh, Michael Lewis. It's Michael, Michael, Michael Lewis. Lewis. Michael That's Lewis. Author. Michael yeah. Lewis. Thanks. Everything you just uh, click. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, Mark, I want to ask you as, as you take us out, uh, if you were going to write a book uh, about the state of things right now that you're working on, right, with the AI and the recruiting, and you can't use the word Moneyball. So if you're going to write a book uh, about that, what, what would the title of that book be? Cash Sphere. No, um, <laughs> I guess technically um, that counts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what would the title be? Um, well, it depends if I want to be, uh, you know, it seems very in vogue right now to have like very inflammatory uh, book titles that are very, uh, that are very inflammatory of like topics that aren't that fl uh, flammable. So it's like, You've been hiring wrong, dot, dot, dot. Um, no, I think it would be, I actually, I don't even, uh, I, this is probably why I wouldn't write a book because I couldn't even think of a title. Um, oh yeah. Um, how, to, how to fix all the world's problems using data. And there's a thought behind that. Yeah. Talent market is arguably the most inefficient market in the world. And it costs, I think, what was it? Cost the US economy 20 billion a year, I think, in lost productivity. Wow. So if you save even a fraction of that productivity, you know, that fixes roads, more charitable donations. If you implement that throughout the world and there's like, you know, less in a less less inefficiency in hiring, and people are actually happier pharmaceutical industry is going to be upset, obviously, but, um, you know, everyone's going to be happier and do better work and actually enjoy their work. Um, so yeah, there you go. Fixing all the problems. All right. Everyone knows I, what they I should like be it. doing and doing it well. There you go. All right. So, so who gets, uh, who gets your first signed copy? Uh, you guys, uh, you guys can wrestle over it. <laughs> <laughs> Beard wrestling. We'll do some sort of, some yeah, sort exactly. of <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, Mark, uh, great to have you on technically again. Uh, we, we're super excited. Much gratitude for you uh, cutting out your schedule. I know you're super busy, so we're really grateful that you were, were able to join us today. Thank you so much. No, pleasure was all mine. Thank you so much, Chris and Jerry. Uh, it was a pleasure.
You got it. I'm going to shove you guys over in the green room hangout for a little bit. Uh, we'll be right back. All right, really quickly, I just want to remind everybody, if you have not checked it already, uh, head out over to CXR.work. See if your organization qualifies to join. We've got about 130 companies and brands. That is over 5,000 recruiting uh, leaders and professionals that are part of the Career Crossroads community. We know what we've been doing. We've been doing it collectively for just about 30 years. Uh, and also a last reminder, even if it's not you, you that's been displaced or impacted uh, by layoffs. If you know a recruiting professional that's looking for work, point them to cxr.org/jobs. Again, this morning, 200 some odd recruiting jobs out there from some pretty uh, well-respected organizations and companies. Uh, and with that, I think you're going to be excited as we head into the holiday season. We've got some best of sessions coming up, so you're going to get to hear uh, our team selected some of the best of. Um, uh, podcasts that we did this year, and you're going to get to hear those with an intro and find out why they thought they were so awesome. Uh, so with that, we're going to cut out and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time. Oh,